Oi, oi, and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stand chum, Paul Levy. Welcome, everybody, for this very special interview. And our very special guest, Mr. Scott McLeish. Scott, welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming, and thanks uh, for making the time for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So we'll start with a brief summary of um, Scott's career. He began his non- career at non-league Edgware Town in 1993. McLeish was soon scouted by league club Charlton Athletic. As he was only aged 20, McLeish was sent out on loan to Leighton Orient for the first of his four spells at the club. It was here that he began to make a name for himself. Despite it only being a short-term loan, he made six appearances and scored his first senior goal in league football. He returned to Charlton but was restricted to a few starts. Good so far? Sounds about right, yeah? Sounds about right, yeah. Good. Long time <laughs> <laughs> um, he was subsequently sold to previous club Leighton Orient in 1996-97 season, finally managed to get a constant place in the team, and in his one-year spell back at Brisbane Road, scored seven goals. In 2008-2009, to he rejoined the mighty Leighton Orient on loan until the end of the season for a third time. He scored the first two goals of his loan spell on a 3-2 defeat at home to Peterborough United before returning to Wickham and subsequently being released in May 2009. He, in 2009, he then signed for a one-year contract with Leighton Orient on, on the 26th of May 2009. Scored 12 goals in 41 league appearances prior to the last game of the 2009-10 season away to Colchester United. His goals included a double against Carlisle United in a two-all draw and the winner away from home against Old Club Wickham in October. There was a crucial diving header to give Orient a 1-0 win against Charlton Athletic and another double in a 2-1 win over Tranmere Rovers. On the 1st of May, he scored a 94th minute goal to seal Orient's League One status with a 2-0 win over Wickham with a game to spare. The goal also relegated his old club as they needed a win to take their hopes of survival to the last day. In December 2010, McLeish scored an extra time hat-trick in the FA Cup second round against Drawsden. His teammate Jonathan Tahure also scored a hat-trick ultimately guiding Orient to an 8-2 victory and a place in the third round. On the 10th of May 2011, Scott McLeish was released by Leighton Orient after his fourth stint with the club, despite being the club's top scorer of the 2010-11 season with 17 goals. He had performed well, making his presence felt all over the pitch without fouling and poaching goals by quickly taking advantage of space and opportunities. It was felt by fans that he'd matured with age and news of his swift departure at the end of the season were met with surprise, not least as the club stated that it was looking to increase frontline options. He revealed that he had not been offered a new contract and added that he was gutted and a little bit shocked, although he had suspected that he would be released. There's a YouTube video from At Boats which captures the whole interview if you're interested. Absolutely. For watch. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, starting out, I suppose starting from the beginning, I mean obviously what we've missed out is all the other bits and pieces about your career and that's not to be disrespectful to, to the other clubs but obviously as an Orient podcast we're obviously mostly interested in, in that but if we just go back to the sort of beginning really and sort of what age and how did you get into football? Uh, I'd been at football non-league since I was two years old, I used to go and watch my dad play and he used to leave me with the families of the other players to look after me while he was playing for Hendon. Um, Constantly, always at non-league grounds, constantly playing football. I was in a team from the age of six onwards. Was your dad a forward? My dad was a striker, yeah. And uh, if you speak to him, he was better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like I used to play in defence when I was a youngster. Um, my leaping ability in defence was even known back then. But uh, I was at Arsenal as the old what we called school of excellence back yeah. then. Mm. Up until I was 11, from there I went to Tottenham up to 14 and that was me. I didn't stay at another pro club after that, I was deemed 
obviously surplus of requirements and not good enough at a young age. And I then went to play non-league football from the age of sort of 16 in the reserves at Edgware until I basically sort of broke in at around about 18, 19. And I got spotted when I was a 20-year-old in my first ever season as a centre-forward. Okay. Your first ever season? season. Yeah. yeah. So what prompted did they change from defence to centre-forward? Um, it, it kind of gradually went, I mean, I went from centre-back to right-back and then at school I started, like secondary school, I started playing right midfield and I felt that was my position as a right midfielder uh, once I got to probably about 14, 15. But... On a Sunday, I used to play men's football from 15 years old with my dad's team on a Sunday, and every now and then they'd just go, I'll go up front, we're struggling, we haven't got nobody. So I'd go up front as the youngster, probably more out the way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, when I was at Edgware Reserves, I was still playing right midfield, and in one particular season at Edgware, I'd been in and out the first team, in and out the reserves, sort of like chopping and changing. And the next season, we had no sort of trialists come in, and non league, you get loads of people turn up, can we join, can we do training? and you kind of whittle it down over pre-season yeah. and this particular year we had no body come in saying they want to play centre forward and the manager was like oh, I'm going to struggle here but my dad was the first team coach and he went put Scott up from he does a job for me on a Sunday he'll do a job until someone comes in and you know he's, he's young he's going to run around and he'll do alright mm. I hated it really? <laughs> I hated it <laughs> I scored 41 goals in 47 games and I hated it. Really? I said, no, I think I played about six games as right midfield and I scored three. I went, see, I can do it from here. Why can't I play in midfield? I'm still good enough really? to be there. And they went, no, no. And from there, the manager of Edgware happened to be a scout for Charlton. So he got ah. me, I got a couple of trial games there and the rest is history. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, how did... How... Because obviously they're casting nets far and wide, but how did they pick up on, on you there? But you've just answered well, the, the manager, question. The manager obviously was watching me and um, he got me in a Charlton. I ended up having four games for Charlton on trial and I scored three goals. Um, and in the meantime, there was other after that, there was other trials. I was at Cambridge, I was at Gillingham on trial and they were also keen. But after the fourth game with uh, Charlton, it was actually Tottenham away. And we played at White Hart Lane and... I mean, I remember it vividly. I had Sol Campbell marking me. He was obviously a youngster at the time. And, but probably a unit Yeah, was, you know, at the time, yeah. It's funny. On the pitch, they don't look as big. It's when you stand off the pitch next to someone that they look big. On the pitch, when you're running around yeah. and playing the game, you don't feel there is a... But I had Sol Campbell marking me. There was Ian Walker in goal and a cross come in and I rose above him and buried the header and I got my contract on the, the strength for that game. Brilliant. Wow. Absolutely. So, as as a... Defender, come striker. What what sort of players were you? Were you really sort of? Who were you looking at as as sort of looking up to? And I don't mean that from a height perspective. No, yeah. no, no I mean from like as an aspirational player. Um, my, I mean, I loved Kenny Dalglish. Again, obviously he's a forward, but I was a big, big Celtic fan as well as an Arsenal fan, and I just loved Paul McStay. Okay. Oh, Paul McStay, yeah, yeah. Centre midfield for Celtic. So totally not the position I was ever going to play in, but. I just loved everything about him. His professionalism was never in trouble, never in the papers, nothing like that. He was just a solid, clean living, clean living, yeah. Yeah. real good pro, real good player, who probably went a little bit unnoticed at the time because he's in a Celtic era where I think he only probably lifted one trophy. At, when yeah. at the time was when Rangers were so dominant. Dominant, yeah. It was probably a shame because he deserved to be a, a, a legend of a captain he is a legend at the club still but he should, he should have been a legend of a captain really mm. so you go to Charlton obviously and I mean how did you find it at Charlton because obviously Edgware to Charlton is a bit of a, a leap 
shall we say, in terms of everything, I guess, in terms of club size and yeah, opponents. Infrastructure. And everything about it was just <coughs> totally different. I mean, I was an apprentice electrician at the time and I was just coming to the end of my apprenticeship. And I think my final exam was in end of April, start of May, and I got pro in the March. It wasn't starting till the May, but I'd already signed the contract. It was already a done deal. And I went from... Electrician's going to be my life to, I'm going to play football. And I, yeah, went, exactly. I went into the exam with that kind of attitude and fouled it. Yeah. Right. So I then went to Charlton, asked them if I could take the exam again. They said, no, we need to get you into everyday training. You can't afford two days off because it was a two-day practical. And I'm like, well, we have Wednesdays off. I'll do it Tuesday, Wednesday or Wednesday, Thursday. So that's only one extra day. And I got told straight away, you won't be having no days off. So it was, again, like you say, it was a, it was a leap of seven divisions. Yeah. And it's in the full time, everyday training, weights, trying to get me used to professional football, not men's football. Yeah. It, I mean, there, yeah, there yeah. is a difference, but so yeah, it, everything about it was changed. It was completely different. It was now where I've, I mean, I, I, I love football. I love playing it. That's why I played non-league. It was, it, it went from a hobby and so a pastime yeah. to a livelihood. And yeah. hopefully now I'm going to make a, a full career out of it. And I say 18 years later I did so, but I also passed my electrical exam the following year. When oh, I got nice. released by oh, Charlton, nice. I paid and done it myself and made sure I passed. Did you have an agent back then? Just no. like, when, when we spoke to Lockie, Lockie didn't have an agent no. for, for most, no, of, most, most of, of his career. Yeah, he got I, think I, had an eight, I had two agents <coughs> who probably lasted about four years. Yeah. All, all in all. All in all. Because mm. yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't have an agent at the start. I had one when I come to Orient the second time. And I felt I kind of got had over a little. Mm. By the agent. By the agent, uh, yeah. You say the agent, and the manager knew the agent. And it was his idea to go with the agent. Right. Um, right. And I stayed with him for a year. Nothing happened after my deal. I only signed with him literally just before I was coming to Orient, and then nothing happened after that. And then I went with another agency, and it weren't until the the person who took me to the agency was leaving the agency that the agency decided to find me and go, oh, by the way, Scott, we'd like to meet up with you, blah, blah, I went, you haven't spoke to me in nine months. And now you want me to stay with you. And that was it. I decided from then on I knew enough to do my own deals. Mm-hmm. My philosophy was, if I could go in and say, I want A, and you give me A, they've got a deal, man. That's me. Yeah. If an agent comes in and says, yeah, but I could have got you B, C, D and E, more money, yeah, but I'm happy with A. Yeah. And I got A. I was never... Going to be the best paid player in the world. Never going to be the best paid player in the club. But I got what, what I could... thought I was worth and what I was happy with. Yeah, which makes sense. Mm. I mean, that's how football should be, but unfortunately, it isn't. Um, so when you came to Orient, obviously it's a bit of a different kettle of fish to Charlton. What were your first impressions at Orient? I did think, well, what have I let myself in? <laughs> um, we trained on acne marshes. Mm-hmm. Which no. I played on on a Sunday. Right, nice flat turf. Lovely flat surface. Pristine condition. <laughs> and we played a sort of piggy in the middle game where we had three teams. It was like probably three boxes of 10 by 10. You had one team in each box. And the team in the middle, they would send two into the end box. And you'd play a keep ball into two, five passes. Can you chip it over the middle box into the other box? And then that team would do it. Well, I had John Sitton was against me. And he's the manager. Okay. As, as it got played into me, he's come running at me. I've dropped a shoulder, shifted it to my right, and I got crashed straight across the kneecaps. <laughs> and he went, 
welcome to Orient. <laughs> first morning of my training session. Really? Oh, yeah. First morning. That's how he played though, wasn't it, yeah. Johnson? He was always like that, wasn't he? It's it was, always harsh. That was my first ever training session with Orient. And like, I mean, I walked in to the changing room not knowing number one. Sort of just sort of sat down. Ian Hendon was Captain. nice enough. Captain went, all right, Scott, Ian, blah, blah, blah. And he introduced me, but I was still sort of just sitting in the corner on my own, knew no one. So and I go out and do that after 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, wow, what have I let myself in for here? Yeah. So it must be quite intimidating in going as, yeah. a, as a young kid, you know, at Charlton going into an Orient team where they yeah. go to know it was, each other. It was hard. Time, yeah. It was hard. I found it hard because uh, obviously I'd felt still new in the game. Never, yeah. I'd never done an apprenticeship. Now, all these apprentices who make first year and second year pro, all the ones from Tottenham, they go out and loan regular. Now, yeah. they might find it hard still, but. I feel the fact that they've probably been in football since they were 15, 16 as a pro yeah. or an apprentice to train every day, they knew the environment. I was still learning the environment in that year. Mm. I mean, it was March I come on loan to Orient, somewhere around about there, February, March. So it it was still a learning curve for me. Absolutely. And do you remember Do you remember your debut at Orient first uh, time? I do believe it was Birmingham uh, in the, what we called the, I think it was the auto oh, wins back then. Um, I remember scoring a header, so uh, that was my first ever goal for as a professional. And it was Birmingham. I'm sure the first leg you'd lost three 0 I wasn't there for that one. And we come back to Brisbane Road. Because that was the leg. semi-final, wasn't it? I think it was the area final. Oh, the area final. Area final. Okay. So yeah. It is the semi-final, but they class the it as the area yeah, final, yeah, yeah. didn't they? Um, the southern section. Yeah, I think <clears> we went two, one up and everyone thought well here we go we got, and Berman just went bang bang Barry Fry was in charge yeah, yeah. they were a good side I think good side, good strong side I think they had Otto, yeah. I think Otto. Yeah. left yeah. us and um, went to them yeah. didn't they yeah. I think Perth played for us who then went to Birmingham oh, yeah. at some yeah. Yeah. roundabout way yeah. yeah I think Darren Perth played that night good defender um, can't remember much more who else played to be fair so your emotions when the goal went in was it just oh, relief or yeah it was just ecstasy I, I mean I, I Actually, I think we, I might be lying. I think we weren't even two and a half. I think we might have been three 0 down, and we come back to three two yeah. and made it look good. But yeah, it was just for me. It was just I've scored a goal. Yeah, I've done what I'm here to do, and hopefully it will kick on from there. Showed like you deserve your place. Yeah, I guess like you know out there on the pitch. Um, so obviously after that you ended up returning to Charlton. Did you ever have a feeling one day that you'd return to the O's? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I've done a month on loan and. John Sitton uh, is a bit of a strange character in the dressing room, as everyone's seen on the the videos and that. He would play me one week, then not play me at all, and I had a couple of run-ins with him in training, not arguments, like tackled. Okay. I, mean, I, mi- I missed one game because I was knocked out in training. Because yeah. we had to play one-touch finish in a gym, because it was whatever, and I come, he barged into me and I hit my head, and I couldn't play on a Saturday. And then he, the end of the month, he goes, we want to keep you. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, you'll have to speak to Charlton. It's not my decision. And at the time, Charlton had a few injuries up front. I think Carl Lieburn was injured, David White was injured. And it left Gary Nelson and one other. And uh, he actually said to me, the only way you're going back to Charlton is in the boot of a car. <laughs> Again. Very exactly, endearing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, not exactly uh, making me welcome. <laughs> Charlton said no and I went back and I think I had another couple of sub-appearances for Charlton after that and like I say to me it was just a month's loan there was nothing else in it the fans from what I remember took to me a little 
but again, like fans, they know it's a month's loan. Yeah, yeah it's difficult. It away, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, we get that a lot, obviously, in the current yeah. game, especially with people that want to loan out from high divisions, players that have been injured or players that need to build match sharpness. Yeah. Um, it's usually just a month to see how it goes. Um, so when you rejoin the O's uh, in a permanent deal, following your release from, from Charlton, you had some stints at, at Posh and a couple of other, uh, Peter and a couple of other loan clubs. How, how, how did it feel coming back to the club then on a on a uh, permanent? Yeah, I mean, it felt good because I remember it, I was at Cambridge on loan from, from Peterborough. Yeah. And Tommy Taylor was the manager. Yeah. And uh, he was desperate for me as I had been out. I'd done two and a half months there on loan, but out of the two and a half months, I was out injured for a month. I'd done my ankle ligaments, second game in. Art scoring two goals. It's painful, yeah. And they thought I'd actually broke the end of my fib, but I didn't. It was just ruptured ankle ligament. I had intense treatment for two weeks, strapped it up and played injured because I just wanted to play because I was on loan. Played for two weeks, done the other ankle ligaments. <laughs> Again, two weeks, intense treatment, intense fit, like bike work, trying to keep your fitness up. Played with two ankle straps up and ended up scoring seven goals in ten games. So Tommy wow. was desperate to keep me. And all of a sudden he came up to me and went, don't sign. Like, what do you mean, don't sign? Uh, he went, I've got another club in London. So the only club available in London was Leighton Orient. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So and then it all transpired that the new manager coming out of Cambridge, he wanted to keep me with Roy McFarlane. But Tommy had put a bid in at Peterborough. I think Cambridge matched the bid, but I went, no, I'm going to go to London. I lived in North London, Barnet, so yeah, yeah. I thought, you know what, well, I'll go there. And it's, as much as I ended up getting to know Roy McFarlane really well, I knew Tommy from the two and a half yeah. months. I had a good rapport, but I mean, I knew well, he's going to play me because I've just done it, the business for him. And I wanted to now establish myself as a first team player. And I thought, if I go there, I would. Yeah, that's obviously an important factor, isn't it? I guess in the footballer's career, if you've worked with the manager previously and you like the way he works and you've got that mutual respect, and if he wants you back, then you're like, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. exactly. And then, I mean, to be fair, we left Cambridge, I think they were second in the table at the time when we left them, to come to Orient, who I think we were halfway down. So it, it wasn't like I was going there to say, right, this is a guaranteed promotion or nothing like that. If anything, if we would have probably all stayed at Cambridge, we yeah. would have gone up there. Um, but it just felt right to come to London and the travel cut down not that Cambridge was miles away or anything like that I'd still travel it from home but mm. it was more the manager wanted me yeah. and I felt well I, I, I can go there and establish myself as a first team player now and it was a permanent deal as well So upon your return to the O's did you feel like the club had moved on? So obviously Tommy Taylor had just arrived Yeah Barry had come in by then so sat down with Barry to do the deal it was smooth sailing um, is he quite a straightforward guy to deal with he comes yeah, across that way yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean he, he has his little jokes and that but when it comes to the business side of it it was deadly serious straightforward this is what it is and it was not sign it or leave it but this is what it is yeah um, and I was happy to sign it it was a three year deal well, it was the rest of the season and for two more plus two more so yeah, great yeah, two and a half years so yeah, yeah it was a fantastic deal I mean I, was like, I, I think I signed October the 11th or something like that I think it was something stupid um, I left and, and it felt right yeah and then we had the year it didn't start feeling so right I was not playing up front I was playing sort of advanced midfielder off the front man we had um, Colin West and me and then I think he got Griffin on loan 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like trying to play Griffin Westy with me behind, and I'm he's going, you're running into the box, it'll be great because you're arriving late and then you're unmarked. Unmarked. Yeah. And I think, honestly, looking back, that's probably why I only scored seven in 41 because yeah. I didn't play up front. I played it and I had to do a lot of the midfield work. And Inglethorpe was the same, who was naturally a forward, but he ended up being pushed sort of slightly back as well. Did you ever say to him, look, play me up front? Play me up my front strongest or, position. No, I mean, not, at the time, you just want to play football, you just want to play games, you want to start. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, it was getting to the stage of I'd probably go, oh, I hadn't scored, and then I'd score one. And then I'd probably go five or six games, and then I'd score one. Yeah. And like I say, seven in 41, you're looking at every four or five games, six games, sort of thing. So it was. It was like that more than anything. Um, it's a bit frustrating. Yeah, but we were we were going through a tough time. We weren't exactly setting the world alight. And Tommy wanted to try and one keep the goal scorers on the field, but two manoeuvre us about a little bit. No disrespect to Colin and Griff. Colin's not going to play in the hole. He was probably thirty four back then, thirty three. Yeah, is it? And he isn't an old fashioned centre forward who's very good back to goal, very good in the air, knows where the goal was, done it at a higher level. So you're not going to ask him to go and play sort of advanced midfielder. Mm. And Griff was a box player. Mm, yeah. Put the ball in the box, he'd score a goal. Mm. So again, he's not going to play him. So he felt like probably out of three of us, I was the one who was more adaptable. Mm. Yeah, so point, so yeah. it wasn't a, a great surprise when they sold you to Barnet? Or when we sold you to Barnet? Uh, or it, it was? Well, I walked in and he says, uh, I sold you. I was like, OK. To who? <laughs> and he went to Barnet. I went, <laughs> Why, why do I want to go on it? He went to come in for an offer and he was straightforward, Tommy. He says, Scott, I need to change it. I need to get money in. The only one I can sell is you. I've sold you. I'm like, okay. But what people don't know is the deal took nine days. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? So, or you're holding up for a high no, offer? No, it was me talking with Barnet. I was negotiating with Barnet and Barnet was going, no, no, no. I'm going, well, I'm on this now. I'm not taking a cut. I've got two years left. I'll yeah. sit on me two years. I'll do this, I'll do that. They wanted me to go on the same wage for three years and a three year option on the same wage. I went, so you want a six year contract? Essentially, yeah. So in the end, it got, and I went back to Tommy and I said, no, he went, you, I've already got your replacement in. And he paid, I think they paid 10 grand for him. Um, Wayne Gray? No, Justin, Justin Richards from Palace. Can't remember. I'll come back to one. You. One from Palace. I'm sure it was Justin. Sure his name was Justin Richards. So he, you kind of. And he said, he said, I've already bought him. I said, Well, you better hope the chairman gives you money <laughs> because I've not gone. And he was like, Oh. So then, obviously, that's incredible. Uh, I went back to Barnet and Barnet changed the deal where I had the structure and it was three years with one year option. They said right. we want we always have a year option, so if we can sell you we've got another year to sell. So, Gone, okay. So I took the three and one in the end. I guess that was a good move for you coming. Yeah, I mean that, I again it was right on my doorstep. I yeah. lived, I lived three in Barnet and it was Barnet. So not Oren is even miles away but Yeah. It was even yeah, closer. Yeah, somehow it was even closer. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people in the area I knew would go to watch Barnet and this, that, the other, so uh, in the end I went there. Who was manager of Barnet, just out of curiosity? It was John Steele, and it oh, weren't, Steele. It weren't oh. until afterwards that I found out that he knows my dad really well, Yeah. that when I went to Charlton, he was the manager of Dagenham, when Dagenham were in the conference. Okay. And he said, 
if you hadn't gone to Charlton, we were signing you at Dagenham. And I said, was you? And he went, yeah. <laughs> he's already spoke to my dad. We want him, but we understand he's at pro clubs. We'll let that see what happens there. And if not, if he doesn't we want him to come to us. Yeah. And he didn't sign me then, but he then signed me at Peterborough. And then he got the sack, and then he got the barn. So he's like, oh, who's your boss at Peterborough? Right, so right. going to John, I knew what was going to, what it was going to be about. He was just trying to sort out the best deal for me. Yeah, it seems like from the reports you hear about John Steele, he's like a player's kind of guy. He's, he's straightforward, there's no BS no. with him and he's a real nice and bloke. It, it's down the middle. You do it this way or you don't play. Mm. That's what he's like. Yeah. His philosophy was, we'll play it long to play in their half. In their half, we'll play football. In our half, we don't mess around. Just that was his philosophy. And I remember watching a reserve game, Greg Hield, who ended up playing at the O's as well, he brought it down on his chest on the edge of his box, took a touch, took another touch, and then went and played it, and still he came running down the stand going, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, obviously a few explanatives. Next time he takes more than two touch, I want him dragged off, I don't care if he's the club captain, his job is to get it and kick it out there. And that was in the reserve. Right. So that, that's how he was. Yeah. It was straightforward. We yeah. play up there, We'll get the ball wide, we'll cross it, we'll score goals, but in here we don't give them a chance by trying to overplay and be, yeah. be professional, be world-class players that we're not. Good philosophy. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, and that's why the sort of the long ball is is not very popular, but if, if it's effective to play... The philosophy is right, to play yeah. football in their half and you just get it so into their He never called half. it a long ball, he called it a long pass. A long pass, yeah. <laughs> a Nathan Clark long pass. And they, yeah, we, we've got a problem with some of our defenders at the moment where they love a long pass from deep as well. Um, so, obviously in your career, you've gone to other clubs where you've then come back and played against Orion. How does that feel, playing against the former club? Or as a professional, you're desensitised to that and it doesn't matter because you're playing for the club and the shirt that you're, you're wearing yeah I mean I, don't, I think this I've never had a goal where I've scored against an old club and I've not celebrated I might have mutedly celebrated by no. doing it just in front of my fans and not the old fans but I've always celebrated yeah. the, 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 the club you play for is the club that pay your wages it's them supporters that pay your wages they pay money to come and watch you mm. or watch the team and you're part of the team if you don't celebrate you, I feel they'll feel a bit cheated um, I've scored a couple against Orin and I say when I was at Northampton uh, there was a song going around that Scott McLeish is a Londoner and he loves Orin so I scored but it still didn't deter from anything else I remember scoring against Barnet for Northampton and I'd done the somersault and everyone was like oh my god I can't believe you've done the somersault that's bang out of order <laughs> I put us 1-0 up in the FA Cup we lost 4-1 but hey I scored to put us 1-0 yeah. up I'm going to celebrate it mm. I know the Wickham game I didn't get on very well with Peter Taylor I scored the goal we won 1-0 at theirs I stood in front of our fans put my hands up because it was at our fans in yeah. and all the Wickham fans started clapping because I'd scored and after the game Peter Taylor got a sack so everyone was like you got Peter Taylor the sack I was like no I just scored a goal 1-1-0 yeah. it's like the goal I scored in the second the return fixture that got them relegated yeah mm. Well, they were relegated unless they won. I made it 2 0 with 94 minutes, so even if they would have scored to make it 1 all, they were down. They needed to win that game to yeah. then win the last game and hope something else went their way still. So, but yeah, I'm going to celebrate still. It must be nice to score against the next club. Just to go, right, you were wrong to get rid of me. Yeah. 
Maybe not against the fans, but a bit against of justice. like chairman or the manager or coach. I had the most satisfaction I had was scoring that winner against Wickham while Peter Taylor deemed me surplus requirements. Yeah. And we had a public fallout at the club, so it won't. Oh, really? Yeah, we had a public fallout. And I mean, how I come back to Orient when Geraint Williams got a job is I text Geraint because he's a friend of mine saying, I'm glad you're back in football. That is all I text. So, do you play with him before then? Uh, he was the first team coach at Colchester, and then yes, he, he took, was. He took yeah. over as caretaker manager and then become assistant manager at Parkinson because he didn't get the job. I then left, and then he got the job full time. We'd always stayed in contact, We'd, we were a friendship. It's not, it, and the text wasn't to generate a move. Yeah, it was, I'm so Sincere. glad you're back in football as yeah. a friend. Yeah. Sincere, and yeah. when I was scoring all the goals for Wickham he was texting me going you'll have to stop or I'll have to buy you back and all this because they were in the championship at the time to coach and stuff so it was mutual friendship a bit of banter as I, not allowed to say that no more I know but, um, <laughs> is that the PFA no, view that, I think that's no the, such thing after the jungle wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it was a sincere I'm glad you're back in football Yeah. and he texted me back thanks mate do you fancy saving the O's and I texted him I didn't text you for that but if you want me, I'll come. And went to Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor went, oh, I don't know if I can let you go. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. If I let you go again, that's letting goals out of the building. We're third. We want to go up. I just said to him, look, you made a decision. I said, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. I'll fight for my place. I'll prove I'm the best striker here and I'll get the goals and we'll get a promotion together. And if you let me go, no problem. I'll go to Orient. I'll get the goals for them and keep them up. I'll leave it down to you. I trained. After training, he went, I've had to think about it. You can go. I went, wow, I must have trained really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did Peter Taylor put in the paper next day? I wanted him to stay, but once he expressed a wish to go, what can I do? Sorry. Oh, really? So it's like he turned it to try and turn yeah. the fans against me. Yeah. It's never the case. I said, I'm happy to stay. I'm happy to fight my position. I'd already been out alone in Northampton and come back. Come back and scored. We just had... You want to class well, he's lied, doesn't he? Yes. You've had a spat because yeah. he's lied. That wasn't what happened. We had a spat before that. Something come up. Um, we had a massive spat. But we just had a personality clash, be it as two people or two footballers, whatever way you want to class it. You know, I see him down the street now. I'll say, all right, Peter, and we'll have a chat and no problems. Not a problem. Mm. It was just that instance, that particular time, we didn't have the same sort of philosophy of how the club or the football yeah. should go forward. And like I say, that happens in football. Isn't it? There's no... Animosity to each other now, and then never will be. Mm. That must be quite tough, though, as a footballer, if you're constantly having arguments and issues with your boss. Maybe you just want his type of striker. Yeah, I I think I just yeah. I mean, the season before, I'd scored 26 goals for Paul Lambert, and I come in, and yeah, it was all different. It was different, and the the fans had a little bit against me because I said if I was a young player now, I would leave because. Paul Lambert's decided to go, the club's not going the right way, we've just had a, just got beaten in the playoffs and everything's collapsing. I said, if I was a young player now, I'd contemplate leaving because of the, the scenario. Stability, yeah. But the way you come out in the press, the fans are like, Scott's telling all young players they should leave, so I, I got perceived bad in the press there as well. So, But that's what interviews are for, isn't it? That's what happens, you, it depends how you read it. Mm. Just a quick one on Lambert, because we interviewed Lockie, who played for Lambert, and Lockie wasn't too complimentary of Lambert shall we say how did you find Lambert I mean, uh, obviously you got 26 goals from you said so you must have yeah the first year he signed me in the end of Jan from Northampton and we were League One 
they were in League Two, and I was the captain. And uh, I, I had an inkling that they wanted me. The club were trying to sell me at North Ham. The manager, the chairman, wanted to sell me, but the manager was. So in the end, the chairman had agreed a fee of thirty thousand. The manager went, "No, nah, Stuart Gray went. Who, who am I going to get for thirty thousand to replace Scott? Never mind, get the same goals as him, just, yeah. but just to replace him." So in the end, they drove a he drove the deal up, and I think he got eighty thousand. But he said to me, Stuart Gray, "Look, I'm going to give you permission to go talk to him because you're on the transfer list because of the chairman. I really want you to go there and talk to him and not go. That's what I want." And then I can say, "Well, I'll give you the opportunity, but you do." Yeah. As soon as I went there, I spoke to him. It's like, "Yeah, brilliant." always helps that I'm a massive Celtic fan and he's a Celtic legend <laughs> so um, and then I never played and also I signed the day before they had Chelsea in the semi-final second leg they're one or in the first leg that's right yeah and I'm not cup tied I'm sitting there going I'm signing tomorrow please get through they get beat 4-0 or 4-1 or something at home but I was saying I signed in January I've come from a division above top goal 13 goals captain and I think I played five games to the summer. And I, went, I, and I went to him in the summer, can you tell me why you bought me? And he looked at me, what do you mean? You just paid money for me and then not played me. And he went, no, nah, I made a mistake. Mm. He, went, I, I, he stuck with the players that got him to the semi, basically. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the forwards Fair were good. Play. Yeah. It was Tommy Mooney and Jermaine Easter. Okay. So it's not oh, easy to replay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the time, none of them were scoring. Yeah. He kept playing them. They'd not dried up, but... Hoping that the some oil would come yeah. back on the wheels and it would just say. And, and in the end, we blew out. We missed out in the playoffs. Mm. And he said to me, "Don't worry, next season will be different." Tommy Mooney left in the summer. Jermaine Easter was engineering a move away. I ended up being the main striker. We got John Sutton in, Chris's brother. And I say I played every league game, started every league game, and scored twenty six league goals. So from that point of view, it was fantastic. His training was a bit different. He was not there a lot. He was there sort of Thursday, Friday. You'd go to Scotland, see the family. Oh, okay, yeah. And he wouldn't be a presence on the training, but it was mainly Ian Culverass uh, doing the training, and he would come out. It was like one of those, if the gaffer comes out, you, you know, oh, the gaffer's here. Oh. When nowadays, most of the managers do Always the thing. They're yeah, yeah. every day. And when he went to Col- uh, yeah, Colchester, a lot of the boys found me up. Scott, what's he like? What's he like? I went, mm, never there. Well, I tell you, Mum, you liar. He's here every day. <laughs> I can only tell you how he was for me. Yeah. For you, must be different. Changed his, uh, changed his philosophy. I mean, a, a lot of the Colchester boys were a bit like Lockie, yeah, not happy with it. And yeah, Lockie. So. It was very uncomplimentary, which yeah. we can't say on a family podcast, but yeah. Yeah, and like I say, for me, I got on really well with him. Happy. I had a first sort of four or five months. Not, I did not get on with him. Yeah. Then I just found a strange way he signed me and not played me. Yeah. No, I got on really well with him. I, I, I really did get on with him. I, I thought he was a, a good manager. I say he's a bit when he says his team talks, it's firstly time. It's like three point eight seconds. He's he names a team, and there's a brief. <gasps> and if you're named before that, you're in the starting lineup. And if you're named after, <laughs> you're a sub. And that's how you knew because it was so quick in his Scottish accent. You had, yeah, you couldn't yeah. go right. Well, he named Jonesy. He named Elliot. He named Scott. It's like. Oh, I heard my name. That's it. You couldn't hear him. <laughs> and he used to walk out and go to the kit man. And the kit man would go, 3.8 seconds. He'd be like, oh, I'm getting quicker. <laughs> silly little things is what you find out afterwards. You didn't know that at the time. At the time, yeah. yeah. But that was one of his sticks. Yeah, that was one of his little things he done. Yeah. But, it, I mean, he's training. He never he never done set plays at the time. And this is what I told coaches. He never done set plays. Because you edit on a Friday, don't mean you're going to go and edit on a Saturday. So, what, why point? do it? 
And then, like, again, coach just, hey, he does that plays, he does this, he does that. <laughs> I went, can only say what he done for us. Yeah. I mean, his, his philosophy on set plays and that was, that's your man, he don't score. That's it. Kick him, punch him, do whatever you got to do, don't get caught, he don't score. Don't say you got blocked, because if you got blocked, he scored. Yeah. So that's it. You, you had one job. You mark number six. If number six don't score, you've done your job. Not, well, I left him to go and edit to help him. No, no, that's his job. Your job is that. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it. simple. That's simple, is it? Nice and simple. Yeah. Yeah. Which is right. Yeah. You don't want to go with, right, so he said this, and then he said that, and then he said, right, I've got to do that. And by the yeah. time you've realised what you worked out, you've what you've got to do, yeah. he's at the back post scoring a header because you're thinking. Simple. You yeah. have one man to mark. mark he him. don't score, that's it. Your job done. Don't go and help someone else, let them do their own job. Yeah. Interesting philosophies. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, you came back to Orient back uh, in in two thousand and eight. That was with Geraint Williams. Obviously, that was no surprise um, to you there. But in terms of sort of coming back to the club, were there any players at the club that you'd played with before? Was there any familiarity? Uh, Can you remember? I can't remember. Who do we have? So Jones, he was in goal. One come on loan who come on loan to Wickham that year, and when he come on loan to Wickham's when I started having the all out with Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor, yeah. Uh, he's at Gillingham now. You don't want to go yeah. there. It's um, not very nice. Churchy. Simon Church. Church. Because he's and Welsh. I, and I got on really well with Churchy. Yeah. Even at Wickham, it was nothing to do with him coming in and taking yeah. my spot. It was. I mean, so when Churchy came in, From we ended we ended up forming a good little partnership and scoring a few goals. And Churchy's sort of thing at the time was he'd worked really hard at Wickham and he just couldn't get that break to get the two or three goals he needed he got probably one or two but no many if he can kick on yeah, yeah. and then at Orient he had the same kind of start he didn't get a couple of games in but then it score. just bosh and it was like I said look one's going to come off your backside or whatever in a minute and he I might say but he scored and all of a sudden that was it but yeah, yeah. he, he was fantastic breath of fresh air for yes. us yeah. but that he was a connection so for Grain wasn't it yeah because uh, he's, he's I, a Welsh under yeah, I know Reading was just looking to get him out on loan to build him up. And, and I mean, after Orient, he went back to Reading and started, started playing and in, started doing well. Him yeah, in the Welsh national squad and everything. So yeah, decent, really well you could see he was a decent player yeah. at us, and and it was lucky that well, we thought it was the Grant connection that he knew about this player and he yeah had the he was okay um, to come and play at Leighton Orient. Sean Fulton was there. I never played with or against Sean. Jason Demetrio, no. He's in Cyprus now. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Fulton. I'd have played against them. Yeah. Tam. I'd have played against them, but I'd never played with anyone. Right, right. So 2009, 2010, scored 12 goals in 41 matches for Leos. Any games in that season that stand out? Do you remember any in particular? Mm. No, uh... no, no, not nothing. Really. Not really. Not will stand out massively. So in the games against Wickham uh, that, ski- that season, you scored in both. I think we covered this back. Yeah. To score against your old club, like we said. Must, yeah, must I mean, be it, was, awesome. it, it was it was str- it was strange. The away one was strange. I mean, Adrian Petulas put a great ball in and got across us, like scooping the header. And like I say, it was in front of our fans. I just stood there with my hands up. I didn't go over the top, but I was celebrating with my hands up. Boys were jumping on my back. And then when I was walking back to the halfway line to actually physically see people standing up and clap you from the other team. It kind of give you goosebumps, yeah, because mm. it wasn't an ironic clap neither. Yeah, it was, it was a well a, done. It was a, it was a well done clap, and mm. now that could have been for not celebrating. It could have been just yeah. like they liked me as a player or anything, but Mutual whatever respect. it was, it was yeah, it was it was nice to receive sort of thing. And 
it was quite, I say, eerie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, unusual because you don't yeah. often see that because football fans being quite tribal, if you just scored a goal against yeah. you, you're the worst person in the world. Oh, football fans, I've always so, said football fans are fickle. Yeah. They'll love oh, you absolutely. when you're at their club. Yeah. And as soon as you leave their club, majority of the time they don't hate you, but they hate you because you're playing against their club. Yeah, and especially if you're scoring a goal or yeah. keeping a clean sheet. Um, I reckon if they hate you enough to sing about you or get on your back, that means you must have done something right at the club yeah. because they don't like the fact that you're not there. You're not there anymore, yeah. but that's not your fault. So, fast forward a season, um, 2010-11, you scored 17 goals. Broylston hat-trick. Yes. Do you remember that game? Oh, I remember that game. <laughs> now, I, I watched that on the telly because I couldn't get up to the away leg. I watched that away leg on the telly and it was an awful, awful pitch, awful ground. And you think to yourself, we're a professional club, they're like however many leagues below in the back end of Manchester or wherever. It's like, how have we not beaten that team? And yet we come here, they come home, we take it to, we have to take it to extra time to, to get a win against these part-time guys. Now, you could see as the game went on, because I, I went to the home game, and we only had the West stand, I think, and they had the away stand. And I just remember when they scored and their directors were on the balcony above going absolutely mental and quite a few Orient fans voiced their displeasure, <laughs> yeah. shall we say, at the directors. But how, how, could, how, could it, how could it not be that we finished them off? Our fitness kicked in after about 70 minutes because you could see they were tiring. And our, you know, the fact that we're full-timers. But recollection of that game? Well, the first game... I never got credit at the goal, so where you say 70, you should say 18, but he hit the post, <laughs> hit the keeper and went in, and I never got credit at that goal. But the first game should never have been played. It was absolute concrete, the ground. Yeah, because it was frozen, wasn't it? Was that's frozen. right, yeah, that's right. And they tried to put like an air tent over it to throw right. it out. I remember. The only reason it got played is because obviously if they didn't play, they don't get the TV, TV money. TV yeah. So they were, yeah, it's got to be played. Really it, it, played. You'd have been better off wearing trainers on it than studs and moulds. It was so icy. and You can't use it as an excuse because it's the same for both teams. But yeah. When you, like say, you go from professional to that, it's a leveller. Yeah. Now it is a, a level playing field. It don't matter yeah. about your ability no more. It's about who can adapt to the conditions the best. Cause they, they, and they, they adapted to the best. Well, they would have been more used to pitches like that. Yeah. Like you'd have been playing like decent they, pitches, and they would. They adapted it much better than us. And like I say, we went one 0 down, and it was Jason Dimitri, I believe. Not Jason. Um, who crossed it? Coxie. Coxie crossed it. I edited it. It was slightly higher. I'd sort of just guide it, and it hit the post. Sort of went along the line, hit the keeper on the back, and went in. And um, we were just thankful that we'd got a draw. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Russell Slade, if he could have, he would have ripped us all a new one. Because it, it, we tried to go on a park that day to train, and we'd been to like a non-league ground and trained on theirs, and but we couldn't, we just couldn't get used to the conditions. You running and you just couldn't stop. Mm. Charlie Daniels, I remember him running down the wing one time, and he literally was Did like, "Whoa!" He's like a cartoon character trying <laughs> to stop, waving the arms and everything. <laughs> and that's how it was. And he was fast, wasn't he? That's what I mean. I mean. Listen, I, I could stop anywhere because I wasn't that quick. But Charlie Daniels, once he got motoring down that left wing and looking to whip a ball in, all yeah. you're thinking about then is, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to, I'm going to break something. I'm going to do something because he only has to fall awkwardly. Yeah. And it, so you all of a sudden your yeah. mind's not concentrating on yeah, the ball. Yeah. He's not concentrating on delivery, and that affects you. Mm. And it affected us bad. And when we went back to ours, everyone thought this would be a stroll in the park. And all of a sudden they, they come out and they had a bit of a go and kicking and doing a little bit and yeah. doing all the nasty things non-league clubs are expected to do and we went 2-0 down Terrell full sent off 
Yeah. They're like, oh my God, here we go. Four, four red cards in that game. And we're like, wow. And it didn't matter what we were doing, we, we just couldn't get a foothold in the game. We couldn't couldn't fathom what was happening. Why are they... And like you say, the fitness time, we, we get got a game plan, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to try it. And we... Chores uh, scored a penalty. Good we penalty. About, we were about yeah. 10, 15 to go, I think. Yeah. And then Jonathan Tahui scored probably three, four minutes ago, if that. Yeah, 86, yeah. And then it went into extra time. And then, I mean, and Paku just took over. Oh, he was immense. I mean, yeah. he was immense all game, but in the extra time, he just he just took over. Him. Like, the ball was stuck, stuck to his foot, like a bit of glue. And it didn't matter how much they kicked him. He just went, give me the ball again. Give me the ball again. And they kicked him again. Give me the ball again. I was like, he, he scored one. He set up two for Jonathan. Uh, and the kid got the right back in the end, just got so, like, mesmerised by him. He thought, well, I'll take a red. So it looked like he thought, I'm just taking a red. I'm just going to have him over. Yeah, yeah. And he got red. <laughs> Give me the ball again. <laughs> and I say, I, I mean, Jonathan had scored, a, come on a sub, had scored a hat-trick. I'd, I scored two in extra time and then Jonathan had chipped the keeper. And everyone went, you're out of order for nicking it. I went, he had his hat-trick. And there was a defender <laughs> behind me. Might have been 10 yards behind me. So I just ran in and smashed it in and made it. 8-2. Two hat-tricks each, yeah. Two hat-trick each. Jonathan was all right with it. I'd never scored a hat-trick in the FA Cup, and I've not scored one since in the FA Cup, <laughs> so I've got my hat-trick ball. We got asked about this Hui today, quite late on in the day. Why, why when he started, did, why didn't he have the same impact? So, obviously, what, he used to come on as a sub all the time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know the man's background or anything like that, but I just don't think he could get fit he was so big and muscular, right. you just couldn't get physically running fit. A bit like Adebayo back in Fenway, so that sort You of. get him on, 15 to go, he can go. 20, probably tired defenders. And, he'll, yeah, and, yeah. and his physique will be the main attribute. Mm. And you start him and he just, yeah, he just didn't seem the same kind of player at all. Yeah. yeah. He's got at, some great goals at home. Dave Rijkaard scores at, uh, asked, asked that question, but what we heard was because... The reason he couldn't ever get fit was because he couldn't ever get out of McDonald's in Leytonstone. Well, you'd probably know that more than me because I don't know. That's, that. what, that's, that's what I heard, is that he just loved, he, he didn't live the football lifestyle. Whether that's right or not, I don't know, but I heard Leytonstone McDonald's thrown in there. So I, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't argue with that because I didn't live the football lifestyle. Right. I have got the worst diet ever. I, I don't eat salad, I don't eat uh, sauces or anything like that. I'm just basically a meat, plain meat, Playing everything here. Did, did you have a pre-match meal? Because uh, like Shearer always had like chicken, beans, yeah. and chips or something like that. Did you yeah. have like a pre-match? Yeah, meal? I mean varied. Normally I'd have scrambled egg on toast, beans on toast. Or I might have an omelette and beans. Something sometimes, quite light. Yeah, sometimes I'd have a, a breast of chicken and beans. <coughs> more often than not, I'd either be scrambled egg on toast, beans on toast, or an omelette. But I didn't like it. I'd rather have a big breakfast. Right. I'd rather, I mean, if I was at home, so not going to football, not going to a hotel or away game, yeah. around about 11 o'clock I'd have two bacon sandwiches and then that would do me for the game. Okay. So I'd rather have a slightly later but bigger breakfast than have something at half 11, 12 in a hotel. That's Obviously it, when you, yeah. when you yeah. go away on the coaching that, yeah. you've got to eat in the hotel like everyone else, so I'd have scrambled egg on top of things on top. Did you have any pre-match superstitions? Uh, like left, kept, left boot first no or? but I kept the same tie ups as long as I could I oh, did you yeah we actually have the old fashioned yeah. sort of bandage 
mm-hmm. and I'd keep them as long as I could and the knot would always be at the front. But if they snapped, it weren't like, oh no, they've snapped. Well, I'll get a new set now, but, keep but I'll just keep them yeah, as long yeah, as I could. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was the only sort of rules. And then I started wanting to come out last. Last one out, last one out. And then Ben Chorley turned up and he's like, I like that last. And I went, Ben, you know what? I ain't going to argue with it. Yeah. It's a big boy, isn't he? I'll go second from last, Ben. Well, I'm, look, I'm looking at it, I'm 37 when he turned up, 36, 37. So I'm, you know what? I'll just go in front of the unit because. And then if I hadn't scored for a couple, Ben might have gone, go on, you go last. Because he, he, like, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, saying, so like, I was getting scored, yeah. but if you want to go last, I went, no, it's right. So, like, Ben ended up taking the last spot. But yeah, and I mean, now for Wheelstone, I still go out last. So. Interesting. Yeah. Lots of different superstitions. So, at the end of that season, you got released, obviously, as you as we alluded to just before we, we started recording. Um, what happened? Why, why didn't the club decide to... Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, around about the Arsenal games, I got I got a little feeling that it, I weren't going to get offered. And after the Arsenal games, I then got left out for about four more games on the spin, and Harry Kane came in and was starting. And I went to see Russell. I said, "Look, I don't want to leave. That's not what I'm coming in for." I said, "But I want to play on." And the, I'm not going to be playing here. I'd like to go out on loan to prove to others that I'm still fit enough and good enough to play on next year. Mm. And he went, what's this? And I go, when it's, it, it, I don't want to leave, but I'm just saying, like, at the moment, it don't look like I'm going to be playing and I don't want my career to have sort of finished in March and everyone then goes, well, he, he ain't fit enough, yeah, yeah. he's not played. This. I wanted to go out on loan just to prove to people that I'm fit enough and can score in case in the summer... He doesn't offer me a contract. I've proved yeah. I can score goals. Yeah, you've got to look after yourself, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, I didn't want to leave the club. It was just a, that feeling I had that I weren't going to get off of nothing. Mm. And then after that chat, he said, no, I'm not letting you go. I went, no problems. I said, like I say, I don't want to leave. It is literally uh, just to prove him, because I do want to play on. So when we come to the, sit in the office, so I had a, to be fair, I had a load of paperwork from the PFA, because I was the union rep. And I sat down and I don't think my bum hit the chair. I still think I was just on my way to sitting down. He went, this has been a difficult decision. And I literally, I mean, you can't see it on the radio or the podcast, I know, but as I went to sit down, he went, this has been a difficult decision. I didn't even get down. I just pushed back on the aisle. I went, <laughs> I'll have my release letter then. And he went, what do you mean? I went, well, you don't start, uh, this has been a difficult decision, but here's a year's contract, do you? Yeah. <laughs> and he went, no, I suppose not. He said it's been a tough one. He goes, we've got, like, we've got four strikers. We've got two under contract. We've got two out of contract. We want to freshen the striker ones up. Um, so we're going to let you go. I'm okay. He went, if I didn't, in his words, were, if I didn't have Jonathan Tahui, who was still under contract, if I could get rid of him tomorrow, keep you. I'd keep you. Yeah. Mm. I went, and he'd already said to me, Jonathan Tahui's fourth choice. That was his word, Jonathan Tahui's fourth choice. I went, so I'm good enough to be your fourth choice. And he went, no, if I signed you, you'd be still looking to fight for number one and the number two spot. I said, okay, I went, so if you didn't have Jonathan, you'd sign me, but Jonathan's your fourth choice. You've got two available spots, but I'm not good enough to get into them two spots. 
Jonathan was working. going, yeah. I'm fighting for number yeah, one or two. Yeah. And he was like, and I said, I'm not talking in riddles, but Jonathan's your fourth choice. If you didn't have him, you'd have me. So you'd have me as your fourth choice. He went, no, no, no. I went, but I can't get into two empty spots, is what I'm saying. And he went, yeah, I just want to freshen it up. And I think it's like any, any other club would do. They've already got their strikers lined up. Yeah, yeah of course. And they already had at least Curitan signed up. It was Curitan and Mooney. So they had at least uh, yes, Curitan signed yes, up. Yes, yes. Don't know about Mooney signed up, but I think he had at least one signed up, and probably it was Curitan. That's a disaster. And he probably looked at it going, well, I've got a 37 year old and a 36. I've got a 36. I'm not going to have a 36 and a 37 year old. Up yeah. front starting. Yeah, so he'd, yeah. he'd already sort of pre got Curitan, who had a great season, scored 20 goals for Exeter that year. I scored 17 stroke 18 for us. It was a massive surprise to get so, him, actually. Yeah, so it was probably like. Like for like, as he thought it was, just a year younger. Yeah. So that's that's what it was, and I say that's why I asked to go out on loan. It was because I could, as much as it was a shock to get released because I end up the top goal scorer of eighteen goals. I just had that nagging thought in the back of my mind a couple of months before, and hence why I asked to go out on loan to try and prove to people yeah. that I'm fit enough. And that summer, being thirty-seven, trying to get a contract was quite hard. And I mean, Paul Buckle come in for me at Rovers, but there wasn't many more. John still come in for me at Dagenham. But again, it was, I want you, I want you, but what's the, what's the contract? Yeah, what's yeah, the yeah. Offer? yeah, I've got to speak to my people, I've got to speak to the board, I've got to do this. Give me two weeks, I went, okay, so I was on all of these, speaking to Paul Buckle, phone up, what, what, have you got an offer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've known John for years, I've known John for years. And I just said to him, no, I'm not going to stay here and be your, you're my last option. And then you go, can I only give you this? And it's like a substantial drop. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I want to play on, but i still got to live. And I know, I don't know if John was doing that, but I didn't want to be left in that situation where I've gone no to everyone else, hoping that John comes up with a deal he was talking that he could possibly get, and then he goes, I can't get it. And he yeah. goes back to the original offer he gave me, which I'd already said no to. So I ended up signing for Bristol Rovers. Mm. How did you find um, playing for Slade? Because Slade's obviously still really highly thought of at Orient, and now he finds himself at Cardiff, but how did you find him as a manager? Because to, to the fact, well, to most fans, he seems like he's really good at building the team spirit. I'd say sometimes tactically, lacking could be found wanting. Mm. But in terms of spirit, he's very good at getting the, the whole team to yeah, play for no, each play other. For him, so like yeah, playing I, with I, your mates. I'd probably make you right there. I mean, first day of pre-season, so I only had one with him. First day of pre-season, he split us all into teams, and we had fun games, but with a purpose. So it'd be like juggle the ball, do this, do that, do whatever, running exercises, whatever you had to do, and you got points. Then we'd have a little tennis against each other and you got points and then a little five-a-side against each other and you got points. And at the end of the day, he went, right, and, or at the end of two days, we don't have two days. He went, and the winners are. And he come in, he went, and he bought a bottle of champagne and he goes, that's for the winning team. And it was it out of his own pocket. And yeah. all the boys were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and what he'd done is he went, they're the Southerners, they're the Northerners, and it, it put you into teams of whatever. It weren't like just, all right, Scott, go with yeah, yeah. them. And he might go like the forwards together or the defenders together. Or like Chorley's going, right, you can be the Southerners, you're the Southern. Dawson, you go in there, you're the Northerners, get your team together. Yeah. And he'd put you, and he was trying to create a little bit of camaraderie, also a little bit of, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to beat you. Yeah, you Southern, Southern, you Northern, whatever's. And it, that kind of, and it was good, it was really good the first two days. It got everyone together, especially because he obviously made a few signings that summer as yeah. well, and it got us all together. And he does, he, he builds teams up and he gets the confidence going. He gets them in, he got Coxie in from Brighton, who he knew. Got Andrew Wing in from Brighton, who he knew. And it does, he, he builds a good team. And tactically, he was good. 
he was all right. he, he, on a training field he was meticulous at what he'd done mm. he really was, that really way. was yeah. meticulous on what he'd done and he had his own little scouting network that I think he had from Yeovil days and mm-hmm. whatever and he trusted what they'd say about the opposition he'd go over it he'd have the video analysis and we'd go over it together and he'd tell the video guys I want you to do this 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 and on the video whatever he said I want them to do the next time that would be done and then in the end by the time I was leaving the video we were all getting given videos after each game and I'd, it'd be like three of you on one disc. It'd be, say, me, Revel, and uh, whoever's maybe Coxie. How many touches you had? Showing your highlights when you touched it. So you couldn't do it each individually. So I'd get, it'd just do three of us together. You'd just go click, 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 and it would record it. We'd all get the same one. And yeah. the defenders would all get And it was up to you if you want to go and watch it. And like, when we'd done the thing, you'd go, how many touches you had in this zone? How many touches you had in that zone? And you had the video analysis break all that down. And you go, look, Scott, you're having so many touches out wide. No, want you in here, or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, we're playing a lot of balls down the right, so can we not shuffle out and go left or right? Well, let's get Cox in the right then instead of on the left. Just really meticulous with what he done. Yeah, yeah it comes across quite thoroughly. We did on a player, didn't we? Against Colchester. Yeah. And there was, every, every, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Lee Samuel or someone like that. But literally, every time the player clicked, Matt, clicked, I think it was, yeah, clicked. And you could tell he was compiling like these spreadsheets. Mm. Yeah, so who had a touch, whether it was a good pass or a bad yeah. pass. What or, they had is F1 would be keeper, F2, F3, F3. Oh, is that they do it? Yeah, and, and they just about So there's an order, and every cloud of his own king just go. And then they'd break oh, it down. Right. He'd watch that clips of that person, so he'd watch all the F10s. You go, right, head, right for right for things. It's silly little thing, like. Yeah. But it, each time you touched it, it just. That key. Yeah. Comes yeah, I think computer. it's still the same now. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely. I've obviously done a couple of other bits. I don't know. Um, just outside of outside of football, you probably um, I don't know. In two thousand and seven, uh, two thousand eleven, sorry, the Nintendo DS advert. <laughs> acting debut. <laughs> How did that come about? It wasn't we acting debut? <laughs> so what was your acting, was your acting debut first? So acting debut yeah. again was for Orient. It was me. Tony Richards Tony and Richards. Paul Hyde. Yeah. We went on dinner dates with <laughs> Leslie Ash and Lee Chapman were the co-hosts. Okay. And the three of us went to a restaurant in Portobello Road. And at the time they did two, so we went to one and another group four, I think it went went to somewhere else. We come back and we had an interview with Leslie Ash, they had an interview with Lee Chapman. Oh, okay. And on the programme they showed both of you. And you have to talk, and that was embarrassing. <laughs> really? You thought, you thought the Nintendo DS was bad. That was embarrassing. This was a full-on half-hour program. And we, like, talk about your meal, talk about this, and you, you do kind of forget the camera's there while yeah. you're eating. And I remember I, got, I ordered a beer, and the, the two of these are having wine, and I'm, I don't drink wine. So I've ordered this beer, and it's like, oh, I'll have that beer there. Well, it come up in a big sort of jug. And I stood, sat, looking at it for about two minutes. And you know, like, you're thinking, it's settling. It's settling, he's gonna go clear, he's gonna. Yeah. And it did, and I went, I just come up with it, I went, no, oh, look at that, beer, how cloudy is that beer? Is that bad pumps or something? <laughs> say that again, say that again, say that again, with a mic. I was like, well, what? I mean, say that again, and they, all of a sudden they zoomed the camera in, you, and I'm like, doesn't that beer look cloudy? <laughs> <laughs> and it just didn't sound the same as when you first said it, you know what I mean? Because now the boys are going, because <laughs> the camera's, they're behind the camera, and they're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, in that beer, really cloud, and you just, I'm like, oh, 
But again, I'm at this restaurant, it's quite a posh restaurant, and I eat plain. Yeah. So I've got Leslie asking, will you try a mushroom for me? No, I tried this mushroom. I'm like, no, I'll try this for you, Leslie. Leslie. I'm like, wow, no, not for me. But silly little things like that. Was, yeah, yeah. That was terrible. Yeah, but um, so that was the acting debut. Then. That was the acting debut for Orient as well, see. So obviously, Nintendo <laughs> saw that and obviously called you up. Exactly. <laughs> hot, hot on your heels. <laughs> so, no, the Nintendo advert was. Um, to be fair, first of all, come about the commercial manager. He said to me, Scott, you played uh, the Wii. And at the time, the Wii was the new big thing, wasn't it? I went, yeah. Play the Wii. I've got two boys. Of course, I play the Wii. He went, Do you? And yeah, he goes, What do you play? I went, Mario games, whatever ones they are, Mario Bros, Kart, this, that, the other. You know, I might have, they want to do an advert. I know, okay. So a week or two went by and he came out and went, ah, oh, the advert for the Wii's gone. And they've done it. I'm all right. So then he come back and said, uh, did you play the DS? <laughs> I went, uh, two boys at home, of course I played the DS. Did you play, what did you play? I went, Mario Kart mainly. He went, yeah. I went, yeah, I mean, all the boys are on it now because I used to take it on the, the bus, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was. I mean, the story yeah. on the advert is true. I used to take it on the bus, and I was like, "You did." On the bus, you, you either sit and watch a video, you sit and play cards, yeah. and you sit there bored. So I used to take my DS and play that. I'd play cards as well, but now and then you'd have five if you want to play cards, and it's a four-person game. So yeah, yeah. Last person out. So you play points-wise, last person out, but that game would take over an hour or so. So you might not get in the game until yeah. the way home. So I'd just sit there on my DS playing Mario Kart playing all sorts of other games on it. And then Charlie Daniels got one, and he loved it. And Jonesy got one, and Rebel got one, and Dawes was borrowed. I was, in the end, I was bringing three DSs with me with the game in it to borrow them out to other people. And we, you could hook up eight at a time. Oh, we'd sit yeah, yeah, there, yeah. all eight of us, racing against each other. That's fantastic. But again, like the cards, all of a sudden you've got ten of you want to play it. So you, <laughs> you do like a, a group of four races, and you get points. And at the end of the four races, the top bottom two would drop out and they would take their thing. I mean, Chores was like getting rid of cards to play on the DS and everyone was getting the old power move to go around the corner and learning all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Going home and learning the courses to where the shortcuts are, where's the best jump, <laughs> what's the best... It got tactical, Proper massive. competitive, yeah. yeah. And in the end, I think cards got binned. It was literally, let's Just have the a DS. DS. So when we done the advert, <laughs> we had to do it on, they'd done it on the coach and we got the coach and we drove around up the M11, down the M25, and then back round sort of in little circle, playing it. The only thing in the advert is you've got to sit there with your seatbelt on, all sitting there, and it weren't our coach, I mean, all seats are facing one way. Well, we didn't. Yeah, of course, because on the bus, you'd sit We had tables. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'd have like eight chairs like that with the two tables, and they all sort of sitting yeah. opposite each other, and they're in the same, and you're like, hey, and you're looking at someone, and you're knocking them, and all but on the advert you can't do it yeah, like absolutely. that and you, and, you, and you get your belt on and all just to top it up you're like yeah it's good um, yeah it was through the club my commercial manager got it um, that was Chris Pope wasn't it yeah at the time and uh, like I say we we got paid for it but what we done is we said put it in the plasma so all the ones who took it instead of us I mean we we played on the Tuesday night and we had that the Wednesday morning we had to be in for like half eight Wednesday morning at the ground and we had a Tuesday night game, and it was like, oh, wow. And we had to film and do it again, do it again, sitting in the bus doing it, just playing. And we weren't just playing. Then we had to go over to, into the ground and talk, sitting there in the stand. Yeah. And every time we went to talk, a plane would go over. And they'd like, stop, do it again. We must have sat there for about an hour and a half doing the same sort of chat. 
Mm. And planes kept going over and in and they were trying to dull it down and then we got quick go. No planes are inside, quick, quick, quick. Just to try and get it in and then I say I forget what we got, but we um I think whatever they paid us, the club paid the tax on it. Oh okay. And we got it in the passport. So oh, instead nice. of the, the six Quite of us taking the money. Yeah. It all went into yeah. the big pot. We were hoping they might give us a DS each or that, but we didn't get a thing from really? Oh really? Didn't get a DS a game or anything. We just got obviously a set fee. It didn't matter if it was one of us or six of us, it was yeah. a set fee. Yeah. But we put it in the Christmas or well, the end of season plasma. So everyone got something out of it. A little bit, yeah, yeah which is cool. It's good, yeah.